Hey guys, this is Dominic. Just wanted to reach out. I know it's a crazy time with quarantines and everything else going on, but I just wanted to let you know that on this platform of podcasts, we will be continuing our series of Kingdom Come for the weeks to come, however long this quarantine lasts. I want to make sure that you guys have this so that you can have some supplemental things so that you're still staying with our series. We're still in the Word weekly together, and you can listen to it on your own time. So grateful for you guys. Thankful what uh, you guys are doing and for each even listening to this podcast. I hope it blesses you. hope it's useful for you. And get ready, because here we go. Hey guys, welcome to our live stream, um, our third week of doing this. I know that we are now looking, patiently awaiting the 30th. I know it's April 1st, and I know that we have many more days of this together. But the good news is, uh, we got internet as of right now, and uh, now it would be crazy if everything just went down. But as of right now, we've got internet, and we're able to stay connected this way. And I love hearing stories of how you guys are getting together uh, with the people in your neighborhood and standing on the end of your driveways, and, and you guys are getting together with uh, friends in, in parking lots and parking your cars, and you guys are FaceTiming and, and Zooming and all that kind of stuff. I love that. Um, I think that's so helpful in this time to be creative. Some of y'all are the most creative people I've ever known. So if y'all could use that power for good, you would be uh, you would be doing well. But I'm telling you, you guys are creative in the ways that you guys are getting together. And so um, I hope that you have had an okay week thus far. I know you probably don't even know what day it is. It is Wednesday, and I'm glad that we're together. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love to think about, especially now that you have lots of time, you're probably sitting there, laying there in your bed, looking up at your ceiling, just thinking about things. And going, one of the things I like to contemplate is, you know, the disciples had a moment to talk to Jesus. The disciples had this moment to go and ask Jesus something we see here in Luke 11. And they, they have this moment. And I've always wondered, like, if I had the opportunity to sit down with Jesus and ask him to teach me something, I think of all the things I would want him to teach me. You know, selfishly, walking on water, okay? Let's, uh, just selfishly, I would love that. Could you imagine how cool I'd be at the pool, right? Everybody's like, I'll beat you to the end, and I sprint and beat them. You know, like walking on water is a cool trick. Like I would love to learn that. But even like more practically, just like helping other people. Like I would love to, with, with all the hunger and the poverty in the world, I would love to be able to feed the 5,000, just take a few loaves and fish and, and, and multiply it. I would, love, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I, you know, I, I think um, healing the, 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 the diseased and the, and the blind, I, you know, the ability to just cast out spirits and, or make water into Diet Mountain Dew or like whatever it is. I would love that ability. I mean, I would love it. But what I see is so unique here is that when the disciples have an opportunity, this is what they do. Luke 11 one says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. What, what was it about the prayer life of Jesus that when, asked, uh, when, when having that moment to teach us something, they would choose prayer above those things? And I think what we're going to find out, and especially in this time that we're living in, and, and what we're going to see about in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, is we look at prayer. That prayer, man, prayer is something so powerful. And, and the, the prayer life of Jesus was so unique, was so powerful, was so impressive, was so awe-inspiring, was so life-changing 
that the power they saw working in Jesus' prayer life, they looked at that and said, man, that is what we desire. And it, how do you pray like that? Teach us to pray like you pray. Because you know what's so crazy is before the fish and the loaves were multiplied, Jesus prayed. Before Jesus came to them on the water, what was he doing? He was, he was praying. There's something that happens when Jesus prays and his disciples wanted to know. And so tonight we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 15 as we look at what Jesus tells that kingdom people should pray like. That kingdom people should pray like this. And, and this goes on. Remember, he's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, if, you're, if your righteousness does not uh, exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, then you can't enter in the kingdom of heaven. He goes through those six sections. Then he, uh, last week, we talked about giving to the needy, that it's not just for everybody to see, but it's what you need to do in secret so you can honor the, honor the Lord. Now we're talking about prayer. Now he, he talks about prayer. Why? Because prayer is vital. Prayer is like the uh, prayer is to us what the oxygen is to a scuba diver about to take the deep dive. Prayer is to us what a hungry person finds in food. Prayer is to us is what the thirsty long for in water. Prayer is vital to us. And so we learn what it looks like to pray. But I love what Jesus does. He first starts off with telling us how not to pray. It says this in Matthew 6, 5. Um, it says this. And when you pray, remember, when you pray, because it's an expectation of kingdom people to pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they, like, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners and they may, uh, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. This is verse 7. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So prayer, this is one of the things I've shared this before, is that um, I don't know how you can be bad at this, but as a child, I was terrible at praying. I, I, just, I just couldn't do it right. It was just, I, I was a struggle. So I would go, and, and if my brothers are even watching this, they cannot deny this. I, I remember I would go to the dinner table, and it would be my turn to pray. And I have my brothers who are wonderful communicators, and they've, you know, they've prayed before, and, and heaven's come down. But I get to pray, and I go, hey, God, uh, can, can you be with our food and, and everybody? And, and before too long, my brothers made it to where I was not allowed to pray at dinner. I couldn't pray at dinner because I wasn't good at it. And I remember that that got to me. And so what would happen is, is that I tried and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced my prayers. Not because I wanted to seek the Lord, but because I wanted to make sure that when I spoke out loud, I would, I would be heard and, and people would see me and they'd be like, man, that guy can pray. And the Lord convicted me of it because I could pray like that and public but I couldn't pray like that in private and the Lord really convicted me and the Lord taught me a lot about my prayer life but nothing could ever prepare me the kid who was not able to pray as a child getting ready for dinner with his family then came my graduation it was 2010 I was graduating and we had 
uh, so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I went up to our principal, who had no idea what my name was, and I went up to him and I said, hey, who's doing the prayer? Because I thought it was one of my buddies and I wanted to make a joke. And he goes, well, I have no idea. Why don't you do it? And unlike anything I've ever experienced, a wave of fear rushed over me. I couldn't even pray for dinner as a child. And now I am going to be the spiritual leader of my graduation. And fear gripped me. I didn't know what to do. I, ran, I did what anybody else would do. I ran up to my two pastor brothers and I said, I need a prayer. And so we found a napkin. We started writing. We put this prayer together. And, and we, I got up there and I remember I was the first thing. I was the first thing. It was, now, uh, before we begin, we have um, a young man. His name is uh, duh, uh, duh, Kendall. Get up here. And I was the one who was... I was the one who was to pray. And I was so nervous. But you know what I've learned through that? Is that God's not concerned with your vocabulary. God's not concerned with your wording. God's not concerned with how long you can pray, how powerfully you can pray, the word and sentence structure you put together. I heard it said like this, God does not need mere information and big words. He has that. What He loves in prayer is the worshipful attitude, the sense of dependence and gratitude, love and trust that's given to him. Thomas Aquinas would say this, It is clear that he does not pray who far from uplifting himself to God requires that God shall lower himself to him and who resorts to prayer not to stir the man in us to will that God wills, but only to persuade God to will what what the man in us wills. It's not about us manipulating God. It's not about us uh, having these beautiful word uh, compilations, but it's about us coming to the Lord. If you pray louder, it doesn't mean he's going to hear you and grab your attention. He is there waiting and willing to listen to the prayers of his people. And he also tells us uh, not only how not to pray, but he does tell us when to pray. Verse 6, he says this, But when you pray, which is when you pray, you, you must be praying, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Jesus, listen, there's nothing wrong with public prayer. There are many times where we pray in public, and I pray in public, and we, we, we do that. Uh, but but it, the same reason behind the motives behind when we give, like we talked about last week, it's also the motives in which we pray. You want to know if you are praying just for people to notice you? Does the prayers you pray in public match the prayers you pray in private? Do you pray the same way? Is your prayer life stronger in public and non-existent in private? He says this, it's not that we need to go out and pray in public for everyone to see, but rather that we should go into the secret place and pray. For me, that's my garage. I wake up in the morning, get my coffee, go in my garage, and that's where I spend time with Jesus. Where do you spend time with Jesus? Where is it that you go and you spend time in His Word and in prayer? That secret place where you go and just simply seek the Father. Jesus did this and was amazing at this. He would do this all the time. 
In Mark 135, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, blow your mind, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus would, would separate himself, even though he was always in the public eye, he would separate himself from, to a place where he would spend time alone with the Father. Just him and the Father. When should we pray? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 would tell us this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So when do we pray? We, we, we pray all the time. We pray without ceasing. We pray in private. And when the time comes, we pray in public. We pray over people. And we pray without ceasing in all circumstances. In good, in pandemics, in fear, in death, in life, in joy, in sorrow, we pray. We are a people who pray. And more than ever before, we need to reclaim that. We need to, be re, uh, we need to be refocused on that. This is not a time to depart from prayer. It is a time for us to strengthen the discipline of prayer unlike anything else. Unlike any other time than right now, the muscle of prayer must be exercised and strengthened. But I love this. It doesn't just say, hey, you need to pray. He also tells us how to pray. And so this is the Lord's Prayer. We pray that if you ever played a sport, you, you prayed this, right? You ever played a sport, you, 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 you prayed this together in unison, right? The Lord's Prayer. And so we want to look at this because I think Jesus is being very particular. What you're going to see here, it's kind of like the Ten Commandments. And I love how you see this theme a lot through Scripture. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments, how the first part of the Ten Commandments are uh, between us and God, and then the second half are uh, us and everybody else, right? Uh, Jesus, what does Jesus' work to do? It, uh, Ephesians tells us that he reconciles us to himself, and then he reconciles us vertically. So there's between us and God and, and, and us and our fellow people, right? This is how we pray as well. It says this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's verse 9. And I love that. It says Father. And I want you to know this. What, what is Jesus meaning here by Father? Well, that's just everybody who calls on God. Everybody in the world who calls on God. That's not true. There are people who, when they call on God, are not calling on the same person Jesus here calls Father. Who is the Father? Let me, let me tell you this. John 8, 42 says this. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from the Father, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. And Jesus is saying this. Those who love me are those who love the Father. And so when I say Father, I'm talking about my Father. And you can't love my Father without loving me. And so those of us who love the Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. And I love that word, hallowed. You know, another way you could put that is, um, and I love to think of it like this, is that our Father who art in heaven, um, I want to give value to your name. I want to esteem your name. I want to respect your name. I want to make great your name, make much of your name. That word is to make much of, to ascribe value to, of making, uh, of esteeming, making large that name. Showing reverence for that name. And that's how he opens up the prayer. And then it goes on to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And I love that phrase, the whole reason that we do the Kingdom Come series, the whole reason that we've done this and what our prayers have been is that we desire to see God's kingdom come, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer. That is our cry. That is the desire of our hearts and what for months now we have been seeking the Father to do. And you go, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it would be beneficial for us to see what his kingdom and his will looks like when it's done in heaven. And I love Psalm 103, 19 through 21, kind of gives us a glimpse. It says this, The Lord has established his throne in, in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Do you want to know what it looks like for the kingdom to come and his will to be done? It looks like the people of God who are called by his name, who are respecting making much of his name, who are obeying his word, the voice of his word, and ministering and doing his will. When God's rule and reign over people and through his people to all people is being done. And we are walking and obeying and doing and pursuing with everything. Because God's kingdom has come, but not fully yet. It's the now and not yet of the beauty of his kingdom. And one day it will come fully. And so I love these three things. So this first section of talking about God, what do we want? We want his name to be hallowed. He, we want his, his kingdom to come and we want his will to be done. That is our cry when we pray. A prayer void of the desire for God and the seeking of his kingdom. There's no prayer at all. We simply would just go to our requests. But I love the beauty of this. that We seek after the Lord and then it transitions then to men and our request. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You know, the, the thing that we, we it's this thing that just boggles the mind, is that we give our lives to Jesus and, and he liberates us from sin, death, and destruction. And what happens? What happens? We become, we, became, we think we become independent and now we don't need anybody. It's not that we just became these independent beings being free to do, no, what we did was we became fully dependent on the one who can meet the fullness of our needs. We're dependent on God for the breath that I just brought into my lungs. We're dependent on him for holding the universe together. And so I love this. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a, it's a view of dependence and desperation, total dependence on God for provision. And then he goes on to this, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I love this. Forgive us as we are forgiving our debtors. I love this because it, it, it shows us language that we're not, we're not asking for God to do something that we are not already willing to do. So we are already, this gives the thing that we're, we're forgiving others. One, because we've been forgiven in the first place. And we're forgiving others, and then we're asking God, please forgive me of my sins. God, I'm, I'm not holding that back from anybody else. God, forgive me as I'm forgiving others, and I'm able to forgive others because you first have forgiven me. It's this beautiful dependence on forgiveness of the Lord. And I love this, this and I think this is so good for us right now. Verse 13. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what I love about the Lord's Prayer? You know what? This is a, they call it the model prayer. You know what? It's Jesus sometimes, but oftentimes, he, he goes away from this, this model right here. This wording. It's not about the exact wording. It's not about the sentence structure. But you know what Jesus shows us here? It's simple. It's simplistic. It is easy to pray to our Father. It's simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. There's no crazy words. It's simple. It's God and us. It's a communication. It's intentional communication between us and the Father. And I love it. And I love the way it ends. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what I think is so beautiful about this is that he's saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's not just asking, and I love the beauty of this, because if we're not careful, we will stop it. Just don't lead us into temptation and just deliver us from the evil one. And we will think that's enough. But you know what the beauty is about Jesus? Is that only does he not lead us into temptation, he leads us to something better. It's not only that he delivers us from something evil, he delivers us to something better. It's not just what he saves us from, it's what he saves us to. And I'm telling you tonight, the beauty of this is that what he, what he leads us to and delivers us to is to himself. And you know what? I think right now, if we were to be honest, all over the spectrum, what, what we are led to be tempted to do and the evil that is around us is anxiety, is fear, is depression, and hopelessness that is surrounding us because of this virus. We know the peak's coming in two weeks. We see the numbers rising. And what happens is uh, uh, the anxiety of finances, of your parents may be losing their job. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know if college football's going to happen. I know I just had three people pass out online. You don't know what's going to happen. And the anxiety can be overwhelming when you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. It's overwhelming when you don't know when you're going to be able to play ball again. It's overwhelming when you don't know when you're going to see your friends and other humans outside of your household and outside of FaceTime again. But can I share something that I think is so beautiful about this? Philippians 4, 6-7, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't, just not, Jesus doesn't want to just not lead you to temptation. He wants to lead you to peace that passes all understanding. He doesn't want to just deliver you from evil. He wants you to be delivered to the peace that is uh, unbelievable, that, that joy everlasting, life to the fullest. That's what Jesus desires to deliver and lead us to. So it's not just that he doesn't want us to do bad things. He wants to lead us to the best things. In this time of viruses, in this time of fear, in this time of uncertainty, he desires to lead us, to guide us more and more to himself. And that's what happens when we pray, is that he leads us deeper into communion with him. And I love this. John Piper would say this. Paul promises in this verse that a life of faithful, Christ-dependent, Christ-exalting prayer will be a life protected from anxiety and its many sinful fruits. 
by God's peace. In this time, more than ever, we need to be a people not neglecting prayer, not social distancing ourselves from Christ, but people who are drawing near by the power of his word and by the sweet, sweet hour of prayer. That we spend time talking to our Father. He's already communicated to us and he longs to hear. And listen, it's hard. Let me be honest, it's hard. Man, I, I love my little boy, my little boy Ezra. He is the sweetest little boy. Now listen, he's crazy and terrible twos. Has, I got nothing on him. He's the worst twos ever. Anyways, I love my little boy. And he's just learning to talk. And so one of my favorite things is, is that um, when I get home from work and I walk into the house, and he says, Daddy, home work. And then he comes over, and I, I love it. He hugs me. He just hugs me, and he kisses me. And he just starts to tell me about his day. And I have no clue what he's saying. I have no earthly idea. He's babbling. I don't get it. I don't know what he's saying. And then, of course, he's going to fall down or I'm going I'm I'm to take his apple and look at it. And he's going to scream and start uh, convulsing on the ground. He's going to try to communicate to me. He gets frustrated. And he, don't know, he doesn't know what to say. I want to encourage you that God understands God understands that it's difficult for us to pray. We're, it's hard. Sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to know what to put into words. But I love what the Spirit does. That the Spirit intercedes on us on behalf. Even when we don't know what to say, it communicates with deep groanings beyond words. God desires to hear from you. The same way I love to hear from my son. He, do, he loves to hear from you. He's welcoming you. And he knows what you're going to bring to him. But he loves to hear it. And he loves to answer Sometimes his answers don't look like you think they're going to look. Sometimes they're no. Sometimes they're not yet. Sometimes they're maybe. Sometimes they're yes. But you know what I found is every time when anxiety and depression come after me, that when I come to the Father and I pray and I seek him, what ends up happening is a peace that surrounds like I've never experienced. And so I want to give you some helpful tips, three helpful tips that I think will be beneficial for you in this time as you're trying to get started praying, is first, find a time and stick to it. you got more time than anybody else in the world. you got time to do it. I mean, listen, if you, maybe you're like one of those people working at Chick-fil-A, uh, or maybe you're one of those people who just started to be a pizza delivery man. You're working 27 hours a day, uh, or you're doing something that's, that's actually made you more busy. I mean, I want to encourage you. Wake up early. Stay up late. Find a lunch break. Find a time and stick to it. Because you know what's going to be the enemy of your prayer life? Good things. It's not going to be sin, okay? It's not going to be sin. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go do cocaine. No, it's not. No. What's going to be the thing is good things. It's going to be like, i got to pray, but you know what? I've, you know, I want to send this email back to this person who's, who's really struggling. Or I'm going to text this person. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live, watch this live stream of a sermon. Those are good things. But those are things that the enemy can even use. Good things to deter you from praying and talking to your father. I mean, I've got to clean the house. There ain't nothing sinful about cleaning your house. You better do it. But it, it takes away your attitude from prayer. So you find a time and you stick to it. And so then the next thing is pray with Bible in hand. You would be hard-pressed to pray for five minutes without automatically looking down and seeing the dust on your table. 
Uh, you'd be hard-pressed. You Listen to what's going to happen. You're going to start praying, and 15 minutes later, you have been on Instagram for three hours. I know that doesn't make sense, but you have been. It's only been 15 minutes. No, it's been three hours, and you've just been on Instagram. Or all of a sudden, you're praying, and you look down, and you see... Uh, you see some, uh, some stain on the carpet and you have gone through every possible imagination story. How did that stain get there? Was it, did the Kool-Aid man break in and fall? What happened? You know, like, and so our minds are going to wander. And so what happens is, is when you and I can take the Word of God in hand and we can pray back the Word of God. Listen, if you want to learn how to pray Pray the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. They're beautiful. They're helpful. They're, they're beautiful words to be able to read back to the Father. And you can't go wrong when you're praying back the Word of God to God. And so have Bible in hand. When you're reading through Genesis and Exodus and, and the prophets and, the, and, and, and all the poetry literature, and, the, and then you go into the New Testament and the epistles, and, and when you're reading through these things, find things and pray them to God. The promises that He declares, pray them to God. Thank Him for it. The things that God does in Scripture, thank Him for doing the things in your life. Use the Bible as a pedestal and a platform for prayer. You will find a richer, truer, longer, more intimate prayer life when you're praying with Bible in hand. And then finally, I would encourage you to pray in concentric circles. And I want to show, we have a graphic for this to show you kind of what I'm talking about. Is this idea, it's just a helpful tool to remember as you're praying. And you can pray from the inside out or the outside in. It doesn't matter, but it's just a helpful way for you to pray. Uh, that you would pray that, listen, and for me, I, have, I spend so much time praying for myself because I'm sinful and I'm broken and I've got needs and I need God to help and heal and, and, and get this, destroy the things in me that need to be destroyed. Rid myself of the things that need to be rid. Uh, 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 give me the things I need, the spirit I need, the power I need. And then I, I usually pray for my family, my wife and my, and my babies. And, and I pray for them and my immediate family. And then I, I go and I pray for my church, Enon. I pray for our students. I pray for our volunteers. Um, I pray for our church as a whole. Uh, then I pray for our community, especially in this time that they're going through such a hard time. Many people are being uh, diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 and, and people who are hurting and uh, the economic structure and, and stress that we have right now. Uh, I pray for our nation, for our president, for our leaders, uh, for, for our nation as a whole to be resilient and to find the face of God in this. And then I go to the world. Now listen, you can go to like the stars and the galaxy, you, you, you know, that's okay. But I just kind of stop at the atmosphere okay I go for the world and I pray that God's kingdom would be made known and the good news of the gospel would be no made known to those in other countries to those unreached people groups who have never heard the good news of the gospel and it's a helpful tool in allowing me to focus my prayer it's not bad for you to pray God's word it's not bad for you to have a plan of praying it's a good helpful discipline and it's needed and so what I would love for me to do right now in this time is I would love to pray for you. And maybe you're, you're watching right now, and the thing is is that you don't know how to pray, and you don't, even, you don't even know how you found this live stream. But maybe you're here today, and you need Jesus. You need the Jesus that we're praying to. You need the God of the universe that we pray to to save you from your sins. 
There's no greater prayer you can ever pray than a prayer of surrender to the king. And if that's you tonight, I would encourage you, right where you're at, Jesus loves you, he sees you, he loves you, he died on a cross and took the penalty of your sin on himself. He loves you. And right where you're at, even in your sin and brokenness, Jesus can step in and save you. He can save you right where you're at. And so this is what I want to encourage you to do. If that's you and you need to give your life to Christ, then right where you're at, I would encourage you from your heart to God, not just big uh, flaunting words like the hypocrites did, but sincere from your heart to God right where you're at. If that's you, I mean, I would just encourage you from your heart to pray this. Lord, Father God, I am a sinner. God, I know that I have sinned and rebelled against you. God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. God, I know that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. He died, he was buried, he rose again three days later and ascended to the Father. God, I believe that. And God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Jesus, save me. And God, help me forever and ever and ever walk faithfully with you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And God, thank you for giving me new life everlasting. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Maybe that was you. And maybe you go, hey, that was me. I, man, I, I prayed that right here in my pajamas. I've been in for three weeks. Or maybe you have questions. Feel free to reach out to us on our live stream, on our chat. Feel free to message us and, and, and direct message us. And, and feel free to hit us on Instagram or email, whatever it is. You, there's no way you can miss reaching out to us. We want to know. If that's you, we want to give you resources. If you have more questions, we want to help you out. And here's what I want to do. I want to pray one more time for you guys who are believers. That here, we cannot let this moment in history slip by us. We've got to be people who are listening to the Word of God and communicating to the ear of God in prayer. So let me pray for us and then we will be done. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you so much for this book that you have been gracious enough to give us in your power that communicates the best news ever heard that the King of Kings would step out of His throne and come and save sinful people by giving us life on the cross, dying and then defeating death by raising again three days later. And God, let us be a people who are people of prayer. That we are praying in Your name that it would be made great. God, that we would be desiring for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And God, that we would be uh, dependent on you for everything. Seeking to never live in disobedience, but always coming and asking for forgiveness. Seeking to be more like you. And God, that we would always be faithful to seek you in leading us away from evil, away from temptation, delivering us from the evil plans of the enemy, and God, delivering us more and more and more and more to the goodness and grace that alone is found in you. And God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that in, t in, in a time like this, that your people would rise up, that middle school and high school students would rise up, that moms and dads and grandparents and, and brothers and sisters and officials and, and, and political leaders 
would rise up and that prayer would no longer be a last resort, but it would be our greatest weapon. It would be our greatest love. It would be to us oxygen. It would be to us like sleep. It is not negotiable. It's a need. And God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that prayer would be primary in what we do. And God, that you would be honored and glorified in it. God, we love you and we thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen to me. I love you. I am thankful for you. And we are going to be here for you through this. If you've got prayer requests, send them in. DM us. Reach out. We want to pray for you. If there's any way we can help you, resource you, enonbc.org. There are tons of resources there for you. We love you. We're going to get through this. And not only are we going to get through this, we are going to grow and look more like Jesus as a result of it. I know it. He's going to move. I love you. and I'm thankful for you. You guys, have a good night.